Good morning. Hi. Hi. Well, I'm back, but I have good news. Pastor John will be back next week. Yeah, he uh, he was here this morning. If you saw him, I think he was serving uh, pancakes or something. Yeah, he didn't make the pancakes, right? We're not that. No, never mind. I won't say that. But uh, he last night was uh, up in Santa Margarita doing a wedding for Maurice and Natalie McLaren. Maurice McLaren was the the person that attended our church. They're now moving away to Hawaii, so he won't be part of our church now. But he uh, is a veteran who fought in Afghanistan, uh, got in some very serious uh, gun battles there, and literally put his life on the line for our freedom and our country. And John wanted to honor him and our Lord by officiating at their wedding. And John said it couldn't have gone better. Uh, It's a beautiful setting in Santa Margarita, kind of like out at a ranch kind of a thing. Sounded great. So... Uh, that means I get to be here one last week to finish our sweeping epic three-part <laughs> three-part series. Did you even know we were doing a three-part series? Probably not. Uh, two weeks ago, we studied the word love to understand what the word love means in the Word of God. And then last week was faith, love and faith. And we needed to kind of look at those first two words before we could look at today's word. Because today's word is the product of love and faith. Uh, the word today represents something that I think everybody in the world wants to have, desperately wants to have it. It's hard to find. And if you find the wrong kind, it's flimsy and it shatters and you're worse off than you were before you found it. The word is peace. Peace. Lots of people pray for peace. They want peace in the world. They want peace in our country. Want peace in our communities, peace in our home. Maybe most of all, peace in ourselves. Just peace of mind, peace of heart. Lord God has a lot of wonderful things to tell us about peace. Uh, let's pray and then we'll study. Dear Father, we come to you as the author and creator of peace. And Lord, we just uh, know in a, in, a, in a group of this size, there are people here tonight, today, Father, that are perhaps feeling separate from you, or feel, feeling stress, a, a worry of life. They, they can't find peace. Lord, I pray especially for them that you would touch their hearts. Let them hear what you are, you are offering each one of us, the gift that you give each of us in your Son. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read uh, out of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. You uh, have quite a, you'll have several minutes to get there. I have a long introduction. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6 to 7. We're going to be looking at some other passages, but this will be the main passage we look at now, and then we're going to probably come back to it two or three more times in the three or four hours we have together this morning. When I was young, in high school, if you wanted to be a cool person like I was, you used the peace sign. That's how you showed people you're cool, because you, you had cool friends and you gave them a peace sign, and that was the cool thing to do. Um, I met Joni, my wife. I met her in high school, and I won her heart in the music program by giving her the peace sign across an orchestra pit at the Whittier High School Auditorium. That's how I won her heart. I was so smooth. The dictionary 
defines peace as freedom from disturbance, quiet and tranquility. If you have children at home, you have no idea what that word even means. Bill, Cos- Bill Cosby said, parents are not interested in justice. Parents are only interested in peace and quiet. Peace is also defined as the cessation of war and violence. Our world is a violent place. I don't know if you've noticed this trend. You probably have. But the the news is getting different, especially in the morning. They're going away from traditional journalism to happy news, I guess you call it. Where, where they're not journalists anymore, they're hosts. And they, they, they dress nice and they smile a lot. And they, they talk to each other. And they just have these conversations. And every now and then they interrupt each other to give you a news story. And then their face gets serious. But they don't look good when they're serious because they weren't hired to be serious. They were hired to smile. So when they get, they get serious, they tell you the news. But then as quickly as possible, they try to tell you something else to, to make you smile again. Like they'll say, Paul, oh, there's a terrible criminal on the loose. But have you seen the new video by Lady Gaga? War has broken out. But what's up with the First Lady's fashion these days? I think what they're trying to do is what a lot of people try to do. Since we can't have peace, let's pretend that everything's okay. Everything is not okay. Trouble has us surrounded. And maybe most of all inside ourselves. We carry a lot of stress and worry. Our human bodies are not built to carry what we carry. In fact, I I went online and I read this from Psychology Today. It said, in any given year, 17% of Americans have an anxiety disorder. That's a big percentage. 17% have an anxiety disorder. And over their lifetime, that number grows to 28%. And it further said, if you have one anxiety, you probably have two or three. The most common disorders are panic disorder, social anxiety, generalized anxiety, post-traumatic stress, obsessive-compulsive, and specific phobias. Further went on, Psychology Today said that 49%, 49% of our population has a history of anxiety, depression, or substance abuse, and some have all three. 49%. That's a lot. The conclusion at the end of the article is a large percentage of the general public are nervous wrecks. That sounds like America, doesn't it? Where 49% of our population would categorize as a nervous wreck. Maybe that's why we come up with so many creative ways to describe our stress. I wrote down a few of them for you. We get worked up, wound up, keyed up, uptight, stressed out, freaking out, wigging out, pulling our hair out, losing our mind, losing our cool, losing control, going nuts, going crazy, going to pieces, going ape, going mad, on our last nerve. And there are more, but I'll stop there. We even supersize our worries. Have you noticed that? People will say, man, you know, I'm not only stressed, I'm super stressed. I'm mega stressed. I'm stressed to the max. And lately, there's sort of a thing where people repeat the same word two or three times to really give it more emphasis. You know, it's like, uh, I'm not just worried. I'm worried, worried. You are? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm stressed, 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 stressed. To the max. Stress is a killer. I read online that seven people die every two seconds from stress somewhere in the world. I don't know where they got their figures, 
but I'm not going to worry about it. You ask some people how they are and they give you a stress report. I called a friend that I have not talked to in quite a long time. I said, hey, how are you? And the first thing he said is, man, I'm just sitting at home stressing over about a million things. We don't have to live like this. Stress is not mandatory. But do you know what is mandatory for the believer? Peace. Did you know that the Bible teaches that peace is actually mandatory for the believer? Okay, I can hear what some of you are thinking. Oh, don't tell me peace is mandatory. Now you're giving me something else to worry about. Right? I understand. I hate to worry too. It makes me anxious. If you like irony, here's some. In preparing this message on peace, I got a little stressed out. (laughs) I really did. I... uh, was looking ahead uh, three weeks ago, realizing this would be the one, I, this would be my third message in a row, three weeks in a row. I've never done three weeks in a row, ever. And I looked at my busy work schedule and I thought, you know, Lord, you've been really faithful in the past uh, of, of helping me find the time to pray and prepare and study to do one or two weeks in a row. But three weeks, how are you going to do three? I did not hear a voice, but it was like God said, Dave, I'm not even going to answer that question. I realized very quickly that I had started this most important study the worst possible way, by focusing on myself and not on the Lord. So I confessed my foolishness to God and uh, just refocused all my attention peacefully on him and discovered some very amazing places in Scripture I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. Quickly, though, here's a little bit of background about me. I have been a champion warrior all my life. If I had been a superhero, I would have been Captain Anxiety. My superpower would have been to turn any situation into a reason to fret. When I was in elementary school, the district actually sent a child psychologist to our school just to see me because my teachers had uh, told them that I was a pretty nervous kid most days. By the grace of God and the real power of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that kind of warrior. But life is stressful, isn't it? Yet I have found that now, instead of turning every situation into a reason to fret, I can turn every situation into a reason to pray. I mentioned before there's a wrong kind of peace. What I mean is it's temporary. It's flimsy. In the world, we we attach our peace to to maybe a relationship or an agreement or something else. But when that something else is gone, the peace is gone too. It's really not like peace. It's sort of like a, a temporary lull in the stress. It's like putting a longer fuse on the keg of dynamite. We feel okay for a while, but it doesn't last. It certainly won't last forever. We're going to see today that if we want real, real lasting peace, you know what? You can't find real peace by looking for it. If you search for real peace, you'll never find it. The only way you can find real peace is if you search for Christ. Okay, our key passage today is one that I've read so many times, but I, I, uh, the words were not always clear to me in the past. Let's, let's read Philippians 4, 6-7. It says... Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think I used to think these words from God were more, were sort of God's way of saying, don't worry, be happy. You know that Bob Marley song? Don't worry, worry be happy. I, I'll read you the lyrics. In every life we have some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. Ain't got no cash, ain't got no style, ain't got no gal to make you smile. Don't worry, be happy. I thought Philippians 4 was sort of saying that. It's not saying that. It's not even close to saying that. It's not telling us, don't worry, be happy. And this is not a biblical pep talk. This is not the Lord saying to us, okay, believer, look, try, try to worry less. Try to pray more. The word try is not in this verse and it's not even implied. This language is not a suggestion or an encouragement. It's a command. We could translate this verse to say, don't worry, that's an order. God is not giving us fatherly advice. Are you worried? Oh, there, there. God is saying, are you worried? Listen here. Why would God give us such a command like that? Because he knows the mistake we make when we worry. A mistake? Really? Yeah, huge mistake. When we worry, we are expressing our lack of trust in God's wisdom and his sovereignty and his power. And we cannot live a life of peace when we have no confidence in our God. So why should we trust God? Oh man, there's a lot of reasons. If we really had three or four hours, we could go through them all, but we're going to just do two right now. Let's look at two reasons why we should trust God. The first one's in Romans 12:2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will is the same thing as saying his plan. God says, put me to the test. Try me. And I will show you that my plan for you is not only good, not only pleasant, it's perfect. I'm a pretty good planner. But sometimes I've made the perfect plan only to find out it had a major flaw that I couldn't see until it was too late. Has that ever happened to you? That never happens with God. Never. His plan is flawless. It's perfect. We are wise when we trust our perfect God with his perfect plan, knowing that he's incapable of making any mistake of any kind. Second reason we should trust God is in Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God has promised that he will meet all of our needs. All of them. Not just some, not just the easy ones or the big ones. All of our needs. It doesn't say that he'll meet all of our wants, but he will meet all of our needs. I don't know if this is true of you, but sometimes I don't know what I need. Do you ever get like that? You know something's wrong, something's missing, but you don't know what it is? I don't know what it is. What do, what do I need? God always knows exactly what we need. Have you ever worked really hard for something? And you worked and you worked, maybe you saved, you did all, and then when you finally got this thing, you realized it really wasn't what you wanted anyway? We are wise when we trust our faithful, 
generous God who always knows exactly what we need, promises to always give it to us, and he has the power to do just that. So back to our key verse in Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Remember, this is a command. Do not worry about anything, but pray about everything. Do you know what prayer is? Prayer is the antidote for stress. I didn't think I, I don't think I used to understand that. I think I thought the antidote for stress was having a good attitude. Look at the problem a different way. You know, try to see the bright side. You know what? Sometimes there isn't a bright side, at least that I can see. Prayer is the antidote for stress. If something's on our mind enough to worry about it, God is telling us to pray about it. If we, if we took all the time that maybe we spend worrying or fretting or mulling things over, if we use that time for prayer instead, do you think our peace would be different? Speaking for me, I would say yes. I love how this passage says, present your requests to God. Present is a great word. It means to give, to offer up ceremoniously. Serve it up on a platter. When we bring our concerns and we put them on a platter before God, that means we can see them too. So we can, just, we can see everything we're worried about. We, oh, okay, I, okay, let's say kids, car, job, bills. I'm missing something. Oh, health. Good. Here they all are. Here's everything. And you serve it up on a platter. Makes your prayers really specific. You don't pray in general vague ways when you're looking at your, your needs all out on a platter. And the best part about presenting our, our gifts, our, 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 our concerns to God, it means we're giving them to him. We are serving them on a platter not to take them away, but to leave them with God. We leave them all with him so we never have to pick up that platter for those concerns again. Easy to say, not easy to do, but when you do it moment by moment in prayer, you find that you can leave that platter with God because he will handle, he has promised he will handle everything perfectly. One more thing about our prayers. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. God wants to co- us to come to him with a thankful heart. When I was younger, I used to wonder, okay, how is that even possible. If I'm already worried, how do I get thankful? Can the human body even shift gears that quick? <laughs> Is it possible to go from stress to thankful? Can, can that even be done? I found the answer. Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. All things. Wow. Christian life is not exempt from suffering, but God promises to use the suffering for our good. Christian life is not exempt from stressful situations, but God promises, he promises to use that for our good. In other words, nothing bad can happen to us that God won't use for our good. Have you ever talked with somebody who's going through some rough time and they say something like, well, I, what I'm going through makes no sense. No rhyme or reason. It's pointless. My life makes no sense. What's the use of living? What's, what's the point? 
That's one of the most hopeless and frustrating feelings is when you feel like you're just a can for life to kick around. Your life has no meaning. Whatever you're going through, nothing good can come out of your situation. When we love the Lord, he promises that good will come out of every situation no matter what. He will make sure everything that happens has purpose and has meaning. And this is why we can pray with thanksgiving, because we can know that. The Lord does not promise that we will always know why we go through something. He promises that he will always know why we go through this, and he will always use it for our good. Do you struggle with the idea of God holding out information on you? A lot of people have asked, how can I have peace when I don't understand why this or that happened? Whenever I'm struggling to make sense of something, I turn to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I met a man a few years back. He was 99 years old, I think. And I just asked him, I said, Sir, do you, do you have a life verse? And as quickly as he could, he said Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and he quoted it to me. Here was a man that for his... 99 years, lived his life by this verse, and you could see it in his face. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Some of us in here, I would imagine, are really good thinkers, and we're really good problem solvers. Problem is, though, our minds are not, can't, we just can't process that much information. We're finite and we're small. We cannot see the ramifications of every decision. We can't see into the future. But God's understanding is unlimited. His vision is perfect, past, present, future. He knows everything and the why and what he's going to do to accomplish it. Now, the Lord did not say ignore our understanding. He says, don't elevate our understanding over his. Well, why would he tell us that? Well, if we're going to be honest, I mean, come on, compared to God, we don't bring that much to the table. Our brains just don't, we feel like it sometimes, but we really don't. God is saying, when you don't understand something, trust me, I do. The reality is, he is God, we are not. And we cannot be at peace when we're wrestling with God for control. We can only be at peace with God when we submit. That means surrender. All our ways to him. That means we even need to surrender getting the answer to our question sometimes. We have to find peace and comfort in the fact that Almighty God, who has a perfect plan for us, has decided perfectly not to tell us. If there was a reason he wanted us to know, he would have told us. He hasn't. That has to be settled well in our heart. When we surrender to God, he promises to give us straight paths and smooth roads, which is probably a whole lot better than the roller coaster up and down twists and turns we've been on. When we submit to the Lord, he promises that he will give us peace on the road of life, wherever that road takes us. Submit is not a bad word for the believer. When I surrender myself to my loving, faithful, peace-giving God, It is my privilege, it is my pleasure, and it's the smartest thing I can do. A very quick but serious note, um, I've seen some Christians become devastated when they believe they have a special message or special revelation from God. 
and they will say, I know the Lord's not, the Lord's going to heal me or heal that person. Or I know the Lord will not do this or not do that. And they say it because they have this special conviction. And then when it doesn't turn out that way, they are crushed. And they feel like God let them down. But God did not let them down. What happened is they didn't mean to, but they started to lean on their own understanding. We just need to be careful and make sure that all of our understanding comes from what God has said, not what we hope he said or what we want him to say. If you'll turn to Philippians 4, uh, let's look at verses 11 and 13 of Philippians 4. I want us to see something very important about peace we haven't talked about yet. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is going to explain that lasting peace isn't something we simply find. Lasting peace is something we have to learn. Philippians 4, 11 to 13. I am not saying this because I am in need. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. The word content means at peace. Okay, the great Apostle Paul had to learn to be at peace. Why? Peace and contentment do not come naturally to us. Go to the bookstore today and see if you can find a book on the shelf that will teach you how to worry, teach you how to stress out. No such thing. We don't need training in that. We're all good at it. We were born able to, to worry. Amen. What we need is learning, teaching, and how to be at peace and contentment. So how do we learn peace? How do we learn peace? Same way Paul did. Paul had to learn how to be at peace when he was well off and when he was in need. Just like Paul, over time, over time, we have to learn how to rely on God in every situation. Actually, to never stop relying on God. God permits his children to go through all kinds of things, ups and downs. And he uses the ups and the downs to teach us how to rely on him in every situation. I don't know if you're like this, but I think a natural tendency is when you're in need, you pray like crazy. And when things are going really well, do your prayers taper off a little bit? It's not that you don't love God, but do you rely on him as much as when you were in need? Why do I need to rely on God when I'm healthy, happy, and rich? Well, health, happiness, and riches are temporary. We want lasting peace. We need to learn to trust him in every situation. Paul said we have to learn to rely on the Lord in every situation, and that's how God gives us peace in every situation. In fact, he said, he told us, he said, here is the secret to being content in any and every circumstance. And it's not by having a positive mental attitude. It's not by learning how to uh, uh, adapt, improvise, and overcome. It is not by doing something religious. It's only by relying on the Lord Jesus Christ in every single thing we do. Here's a huge life lesson. The Bible teaches it clearly, but for some reason it's taken me a long time to figure it out. Life isn't about us. Life is not about us. Life is about Christ. Every minute and every day. If you can turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, we're going to check something out here. Paul said that he knew what it was like to be in need. Let's see what he meant. Because our, uh, our lives are full. We deal with a lot. 
What did Paul have to deal with compared to us? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to start in the second half of verse 23 and read to 29. Paul's writing and he says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Paul learned to be at peace in every one of these situations. These are stress-filled situations. Many people have hard lives but are not servants of Christ. Paul chose whatever hardship came was serving Christ. Why would Paul freely put himself at risk for Jesus? Paul didn't think of any hardship that it would even compare to the massive reward of knowing and serving Christ. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you turn to chapter 4, he explains something very interesting about all these afflictions that he had, that long list. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. (laughs) If Paul can say his long list of things we just read is light, what are my worries? Afflictions do not automatically, though, produce peace. Some believers have allowed their their afflictions to make them um, bitter, miserable. Peace cannot be found, Paul says, when we look at the things which are seen. That means when we focus on our circumstances, just like I foolishly did when I was preparing the message and I was worried about my work schedule, when we look at our situation, we will never find peace. We just will not find it there. Paul says he can only find peace by looking at the things which are not seen, which means the eternal truth and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The things we deal with in life are temporary. The peace that comes from God is eternal. Let's listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 31 to 34 from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Brilliant. Matthew 6, 31 to 34. Brilliant. Do not worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that the truth? Our plates are pretty full every day. 
And it never helps us when we take today's plate and we try to put on tomorrow's worries on top of today's worries and yesterday's regrets. Here's a truth that I actually first heard this mentioned by my mother when I was younger, and I didn't quite understand what she meant. But here's the truth from the Word of God. God does not give us tomorrow's peace today. He gives us today's peace today. When we look to tomorrow, he's saying, don't, don't look there. Don't think about that. God does not give us tomorrow's peace today. It's taken me a long, long, long time to learn that lesson. Do you know the uh, wonderful hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness? I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'm going to read you a few lines. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hands hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Strength for today. Bright hope for tomorrow. That is the recipe for lasting peace. Jesus said to have peace, though, we have to get our priorities straight. We all have stuff that we need. And when we put all of our needs ahead of God, then our life becomes just that. It just becomes all about our stuff. And all the things we think we need, now we have to stress and worry and be confused and have all the drama that goes with getting stuff, collecting stuff, getting more stuff, knowing what to do with the old stuff you don't want to keep around anymore until you get new stuff. And that's what our life is, stuff. When we make God the first and highest priority, Jesus says that all that stuff, all that extra, just falls so neatly and peacefully in place. Back to our key verse, Philippians 4, 6-7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, do not be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. That's a command, right? It is. Do you see what else this means? Do you see what else this means? God cares about everything. God wants us to bring everything to him in prayer. Prayer and petition, what's the difference? Well, a prayer is our general communication with the Lord. Anytime we're talking with the Lord, it's a prayer. A petition specifically means when we're asking God to do something. God is telling us in this verse that he wants us to bring him everything on our mind and don't be shy. What an offer. Bring him everything on our mind, don't be shy. Another hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Do you know that one? Listen to these words. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. The Lord's ear is always near when we cry and when we whisper. And when we're so hurt, we don't even know how to communicate what we're think- what's on our heart. 
We have a wonderful blessing at our church, and the Doug and Kathy Renault lead our prayer and compassion ministry here. And they lead what I call a no-limits prayer ministry. Nothing is too big or too small to bring to God in prayer. And Doug, if you've ever been to one of their prayer meetings, Doug always says, we have a prayer hearing and prayer answering God. When we really believe that, what a wonderful privilege it is to come and bring him everything in prayer. Last question. What kind of peace does God give us? What kind of peace is it? Isaiah 26, 3 to 4 says, You, Lord, will keep us in perfect peace, those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trusted the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. When we trust in the Lord, he gives us perfect peace. Not something off the shelf, not one size fits all, perfect peace. And he says he will keep us. This word keep means he's going to hold on to us. He's going to wrap us up in this peace and hang on to it. That's why it's lasting. Why is God's peace perfect? God is perfect. His plan is perfect. His peace is perfect. You know, the world isn't very interested in keeping their mind steadfast on the Lord. That's why the peace that we find in the world is not perfect. It's far from perfect. In uh, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis made this note. He said, nearly all that we call human history, money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, slavery, is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God that will make him happy. What kind of peace does God give us? Perfect peace. Can there be any better news than that? Actually, yes. Let's look. Back to our verse one last time. Philippians 4, 6-7. One last time. Just to see this, because it is glorious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus. Do you see what kind of peace is being promised? The peace of God. It's His. He wants to give us His peace. This peace will guard our hearts and our minds. What does that mean? A guard is a military term. It means basically that he protects us. It puts us in a strong place and we're protected on all sides. What are we protected from? Well, things like stress, fear, worry, doubt, all the things that turn us into nervous wrecks without him. In John 14:27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. No wonder God's peace goes beyond understanding. It doesn't come from earth. It's heavenly. Our brains can't comprehend God's peace because it's not generated by any human or natural process. Here's the, here's the truth about God's peace. We cannot fully understand God's peace we cannot fully describe God's peace, but we can fully experience God's peace. Jesus said in John 16:33, I have told you these things so that in me you have, may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When Jesus spoke these words to his disciples, Judas was not with him at this moment. You know why? Judas was away, betraying the Lord at this moment, 
selling him out. And Jesus knew it. Jesus offered his perfect peace to us at a time when he knew what his next 24 hours was going to bring. He knew in his next 24 hours he was about to be arrested, forsaken, rejected, mocked, humiliated, tortured, and executed in the cruelest way possible. Yet, he had perfect peace. And that is exactly his peace that he's offering to us. Are you looking for peace in your life? Please understand what the Word of God is saying. There is no peace without Jesus. It simply doesn't exist. Lasting peace can only be found in the everlasting Prince of Peace. So, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Dear Father, may we just be men and women that know your peace because we keep our minds steadfast on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.